0: Hello and welcome back to another Musicpreneur Movement episode. Hope you had a great, productive, and relaxing weekend. Today on the show we have a very special guest with us. You might have heard of him. His name is David Dunn, and I've known David since college. And as years go by, it's been really fun seeing him grow in every area of life. Also his determination and passion for music have really impacted me and encouraged me in my own music career. He also just had a number one song on Billboard which is really exciting and we're all very excited for him. So we'll be talking about how to define success in your own music career. He has some great insight into how he decided between petroleum engineering and pursuing music. So those of you who might be thinking about jumping into music from another career, this will definitely help you. We also chatted about some day trading he's been doing, which um, (laughs) at first I thought he was joking and just teasing me because before the interview, uh, we were talking about how I've been day trading and so when he brought it up in the interview, I thought he was joking so you'll hear me laughing. So yeah, we talked a little about that. He'll also give a really interesting analogy of how he creates music. And I don't want to go too deep into that because you'll just have to hear it. But you don't want to miss that. So it is with my great pleasure to share with you my interview with David Dunn. Cue the intro. Have you ever looked in the mirror and wondered, yikes, I thought I'd be way farther ahead of my music career by now? If so, you're not alone. I spent the last few years learning from the most ingenious musicians and managers around looking for the answers. The problem is that music is a very personal thing and the fear of rejection was holding me back and you can probably relate to that. I realized that no one was talking about their failures and rejections in the music business just the glory and fame. So I decided to press the reset button and start this whole music thing over to go all out build a music career completely from scratch. But the real question is how will I do it? Join me on my journey as we get to the deep questions with our guests that no one cares to ask to reveal the secret strategies and techniques to skyrocket your music career and begin to shake up the music industry as we know it. My name is Eddie Villaseca, and this is Musicpreneur Movement Podcast. Hey guys, we're back with David Dunn. He was with us on the one of the launch episodes, and now we have him back. If you know much about David, you know that he has some great-looking hair. He's a singer-songwriter, and you might have heard him on the radio and also on TV a few times. So welcome back, David Dunn.
1: Yeah, man.
0: How are things going?
1: Doing good. Can't complain.
0: Yeah. How's the family? How are the kiddos?
1: Um. Well, technically, I can't complain about that. <laughs> I won't. Complain. You're like, wait a second.
0: Yeah. So, so okay. For the new listeners that might be jumping in, might not know much about Mr. David Dunn. Um, what would you say has been one of the top things that you might be known for, either songs or career-wise? Um,
1: uh my my two biggest songs to date. It depends on the metric, but probably the biggest one, the one that I'm most known for, is called a song called "I Want to Go Back,"
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: which got the number three on the charts. Mm-hmm. Um, did just have a number one on the the charts about two months ago. It's called Yes and No. Nice. Um, so that was my first number one. I have a plaque. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I've got a plaque behind me. My first plaque. My first yeah. number one plaque. Yeah. Nice. So those are the two major things. I was on The Voice a long time ago, which was your TV reference, I'm assuming.
0: <laughs> it was my TV reference. And I actually wanted to talk to you because I haven't gotten to talk to you about that episode for some reason I don't know oh and we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the board yes. <laughs> no. it was like 15 years ago now. No. <laughs> yeah the one thing that was interesting to me was how like when you went up there of course everyone we're in college we're like oh my gosh he's gonna be on tv and I remember when you got on there for some reason like you I don't know the first drum I don't remember if you were playing guitar or just singing but just remember the first note hit and every single girl in the audience went crazy. And I was like, how did he
1: very like, good looking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like very dude. Very this good. His whole fan club is here or what? Like I remember like Adam Levine looked kinda jealous. I was like, Man, how does everyone know? So that yeah, it was it was just a fun, fun little episode But I remember thinking, like, man, every single person is cheering for him. That's crazy. So You mentioned in the previous episode, um, the pre-COVID life, post-COVID, we've seen COVID be a big impact, you know, different types of industries and things like that. What have you seen has been the most impactful thing in the music industry that you've been able to see or experienced?
1: I mean, it's financial in the music industry, right? A bunch of people are giving up and going home currently because... Mm. Somewhere around 80 is probably average, 80% of, of income from anybody in the arts comes from live performances, right? There's, I almost think of all of my music that I make as marketing material for you know, the live show bit. So mm-hmm. basically all of the money that people live off of is sort of dried up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that's, that's probably the major impact of, of, of COVID. So you've really seen people pack up and leave town. Oh, yeah. Tons. Tons wow. of people are... Yeah, because you can't live. You, like yeah. Especially if especially if you're not making a bunch of money to begin with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a giant pool of people here that all they do is tour, mm-hmm. right? And by that, I mean they're not actually artists. They're like a, a bass player. And mm-hmm. what I do is play bass. And I play bass all of these dates a year. And I make money as a contract laborer all of these dates. And it's, mm-hmm. if, if like that all goes away, yeah. you either have to like believe that it's coming back and you're going to jump back into your base thing and get a job at target for four months or mm-hmm. you know you go "All right, this is not for me yeah. a, lot, a lot of people especially people that have been doing it a while um you know this is this sort of their like ushered out moment mm-hmm. and, and canceled everybody's everything for forever yeah
0: so what have you done personally to keep you not only busy but also in town um, i mean
1: What's kept me in town is COVID, right? Um, What I've mostly been doing, it's so funny, you mentioned this last time. um, Mostly what I've been doing with my time is day trading. (laughs) Which is, yeah, which is a new thing, right? Because before it was, it was difficult to keep up with the amount of junk I had to do Uh for my music career. And there's only so many online streams you can do and, and, times you can spend on instagram and creating content that only lives on the internet space and so mostly what i've been doing is day trading day trading wow okay so how's that going great yeah okay i mean i had to wipe out twice before it went <laughs> so it was quite the learning curve but but i'm, I'm like i'm doing well for the last wait. couple of months wait <laughs> wait so you're being serious i'm dead serious really okay i thought <laughs> so okay so what are you what are you trading like what kind of stocks am i trading
0: yeah or are you so you're trading stocks okay
1: yeah i'm i'm doing some options but in general i don't do options because most people who trade options get smashed mm-hmm. so at some point if i if i like it comfortable enough we don't have to talk about this but <laughs> no this is interesting <laughs> yeah at some point, if I get comfortable enough, I'll trade options. So people who don't know, options is is basically like betting on a stock, a, a smaller bet on a stock to go up or down mm-hmm. without purchasing the equity. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people get murdered when they're trading options, which is I've dabbled in it just to kind of see. And I'm, I get smushed every time, right? I just, they basically. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> so how would you get into that? So now I'm really, okay, we're just switching up a little little side tour thing. How did you, who brought you that? Did you, what?
1: I mean, I really got into it because, um, you know, in March, April, I've, I've, been, I've been trading long-term since 2007, right? Okay. The first time the market crashed, I made a ton of money in oil because mm-hmm. I went to school for petroleum engineering. Mm-hmm. Oil crashed in 2008, along with like the rest of every market. Right. Mm -hmm. They all did the stock market, especially, but the retail crash and, you know, there's five movies about that. But the retail Mm -hmm. crash happened and everything else went down and oil went way down. And so it was a bet to begin with on oil price going back up. Mm -hmm. um, You know, everybody was panicking and selling off. And so I bought a whole bunch of them. and, And that was kind of my entrance point. And I have done decently poorly since those initial buys over the last whatever decade and so this happened again this crash
0: it was a it big one too
1: a big one and i was in but not in tons like it was a couple of positions that i liked and in general i got smushed on those and i basically put everything that i had in the market as soon as you know in april and um uh, that's gone pretty well
0: yeah because i remember looking at it looking at oil yeah it was like negative like it was in the negatives and it's,
1: Oh, it went to negative. Yeah. $40 a barrel. Yeah. That was in like, that was in like the end of March. So that was, mm-hmm. that, that was a little ways in. I didn't put a ton into oil at the beginning. Is that right? Yeah, I did. I did. What? <laughs>
0: Where are you, who, are you, who are you talking to over there?
1: That was me looking off in the distance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> into the mirror. <laughs>
1: yeah. Into
0: the, into the virtual mirror. Yeah. Is that right? So you mentioned you went to school for petroleum engineering what was the mindset? Was there a big mindset change when you switched over to just do music? Because I'm guessing since you grew up in that area, People probably thought, Oh, Mr. little David's going to grow up to go into petroleum engineering. Like, um, so what was that? Like, I know we've played music for a long time. Um, so yeah, just kind of walk us through that.
1: Yeah. Here's what I'll say. That'll be pertinent to you, Eddie, with, with what you're trying to do here. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, this is what the decision was. When I graduated from college, I had a crappy record that I put out you know, that I had sweet friends that bought anyway. Did you ever I, get
0: eyesore? I actually really like that This Is For You song. I actually no. listened. No, 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 no. before that, that.
1: That's the record that I'm not ashamed of. Oh. <laughs> Which one? I, While I was in college, I had a friend who was a sound recording engineer, and I, um. I bunch of crappy songs and he recorded them as a senior project Uh, that is really well i started doing music because of that record and i sold a couple thousand copies and it was horrendous it's a a very bad record um but my decision making process my tree was this what did you go to school for architecture
0: mm, yeah architecture
1: my my decision making process was this when i decided to do music over engineering because i like engineering right? Mm-hmm. I, I like petroleum engineering. I, I enjoyed, not school, school is awful, but actually the practical stuff I did, mm-hmm. I worked three different summers for oil companies and I really liked it. Like I would have enjoyed the job afterwards. And so the real decision I was making was um, with the, like the preconceived notion of I'm going to try and be successful at whatever I do. Right. That's, that's the goal is to be good at the mm-hmm. thing. So if that's petroleum engineering or music, Those two things, success and those two things are defined wildly differently, right? They're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And so what I was deciding for me, the way that I looked at it was, where am I going to evaluate on my value chain of what's most and less important to me when it comes to defining success? Where am I going to put money? Mm -hmm. If you put money anywhere close to the top of your value chain, which is not a bad thing, by the way, right? Money, money is a calculation of value mm-hmm. by definition. When, when you work a job for a company, what they pay you is almost always a direct relation to your value
2: mm-hmm.
1: as an employee. So it's not a bad thing. But when it comes to music, if you use money as a high valued indicator of whether or not you're being successful, for me, I would have been completely miserable. I would have quit very quickly mm-hmm. because, because there's, there's a very small portion of people who can make good money in music, and when they do, it's kind of fluky that they can make it happen. It's mm-hmm. kind of like winning the lottery. If you get rich doing music, you sort of won the lottery. Most people struggle by, the majority of people that live in this town can't survive off of their music income which is not a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, if you like, if you put that down your value chain and go, this is a thing that I pay attention to, but it doesn't define whether or not I'm being successful in the music industry because these are the things that are really important to me, mm-hmm. then you can be content in your new definition of success. That mm-hmm. was super long-winded and probably not explained really well. But no, that, that was good. Yeah. For you as coming from doing something that is decently prestigious and making probably I have no idea what you make, but you probably make good money and that's high up in your value chain. I would assume usually it is for people who have normal jobs. If you switch over to music and you even take that into consideration anywhere close to the top, you will be miserable doing music and you will hate it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: That was a good answer. When you talked about defining success, how would you define success for the music world or for you personally?
1: Yeah, so the thing that I take into consideration the most when it comes to defining success is how many people are connecting, a number of people that I can that I can tangibly say are connecting to my music on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Right? And and people tend to call those people super fans, mm-hmm. right? That's the way that they throw that out. These people are super fans. And how I think about it is my the thing that I'm creating is changing this many lives, I know, this many lives of people. And that number, I've got like a couple of different benchmarks of, of what that number is. And if I can hit that number, then I go, this is worth it. This is. I am being successful because this benchmark of people, I am directly impacting their lives by what I'm creating. So that's so at the you, top of my value chain, as it were.
0: You mentioned the superfans. How do you know... You, how do you, um, I guess, how do you rank that? Because if your success is based on your super fans and all the impact you're making in their lives and people, are, you, are those things you're able to see daily?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's brushes with their existence. So it's, it's social media. It's mm-hmm. records purchased, records spun, um, live show attendances. A lot of it has to do with engagement. How often are people engaging? Mm-hmm. And when people are engaging all the time, that's the thing. Like we put a check mark next to that person. Mm.
0: Now that we have, we're in the COVID life, I've seen you do a lot of live. Just, you just go live. You're like, hey guys, I'm just going to play you a few tunes. And has that been something that, I mean, you enjoy doing or would you, because I know when you go on live, you know, you see the comments, you see hearts, you see emojis, all these things coming on. What would you say the difference is? I guess between seeing someone in person, but someone that you know is there, but you don't really see their face expressions. It's more of like just comments.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what I'd say about that? I mean, it's a little, it's a little different from your question, but I hate doing those things because mm-hmm. they're janky. Right? <laughs> this is. I'm just going to set up. It's the opposite of professional, mm-hmm. which sort of the point. But it's also, it irks me to be that way. It's yeah. hey, let me just set up my phone on to play <laughs> piano and sing. It's like, okay, like, there's nothing special. And to me as a consumer, somebody else doing that, I'm also going like, meh.
0: <laughs> That's really funny you say that though, because I feel like most people do like to see like the behind the scenes, the, you know, messy hair, David Dunn, you know, and getting to see what a day
1: is like not being on stage. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not talking about that necessarily. I'm more talking about the artistic aspect. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about like, oh, I just, you know, I just retweeted my hair and I'm <laughs> you know, up on cool clothes. I'm more talking about like the musicality of it. Right, right, right. It's me playing the piano and singing or me playing the guitar and singing. And that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's fine. Yeah. There's really no creativity. There's nothing that's cool about doing that to where mm-hmm. I go. This is something I'm proud of. There's nothing I'm proud of. I'm just like, all right, here's the thing that I'm, you know, I'm just sitting in my room doing and you guys can watch. So mm-hmm. it's a little, it's a little too different from your question. Your question was, what's the difference in feedback? Mm-hmm. Feedback from me on the internet, it, I, I like discount it massively.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because people are not themselves on the internet.
2: Mm-hmm. If,
1: if nothing else in 2020, we have all learned this, is exactly. that the internet is, is a place full of people who just want to fight. They hide behind mm-hmm and say awful things about each other and Mm -hmm. that's their existence as an online personnel. Mm After you meet them in person I have never even witnessed a hateful exchange between anyone like even when they're talking about politics people are very cordial and polite because that's Mm -hmm. who they are in real life but they're able to like no consequence talk on the internet and so I basically just count all of them. (laughs) So how many I mean, likes I get? I honestly I don't even I don't look. I, I'm I'm happy when people do that. Like mm-hmm. that's like that's I'm I'm stoked that you that you were there and that you liked it. But in general, I discount
2: mm-hmm.
1: anything that happens on the internet.
0: Yeah, and that's been crazy to see, except especially like during election periods. Like people that you're like, whoa, hey, super nice guy, and then you see them on the internet bashing and going crazy. Yeah, I'm like. Wait a second. Did someone hack into your computer or something? What's going on?
1: Uh, it's, their, it's their online person.
0: Yeah. It's, like... them.
1: it's the online person that they've created. Mm-hmm. I mean, this the entire business sector, like influencers, who literally make money off of creating an online personnel. Mm-hmm. Right? This picture-perfect person who goes to these exotic locations and then they sell stuff because of them. My wife is into them. It's like the most <laughs> thing in the world. Good for them. Influencers who make money off of it. That's an incredible business model. right? If you can do it, good for you. But it's like, the only thing that would be worse as a job, in my opinion, is being a politician. Like, Yeah. Like, influencer is just egocentric. It is. Mm-hmm. The entire world revolves around me. And if, and if that's what you do and then you go, so that I can give mm. this space to advertise, that's, you know, I get it. But, it's still loathsome because your entire business is built over you creating an image of yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How many like likes and comments you can get on each one of your pages.
0: Yeah, I completely understand. So tell us about your new album. What, what's that one about?
1: Uh, it's called Perspectives um, and it is about perspectives.
0: Nice. Okay. And that's a show, people. Perspectives. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I wanted to ask you about
0: the cover for that one. Right, because what does the cover mean? It's very artistic. I see you in the background. You kind of look like a wolf that's going to come
1: out of the mountain or something. And <laughs> <sees>. So, <laughs> so it it is a practice of perspective is what the album cover is. So, depending on how you look at the cover, you see something different. There's three different images, and it and worked. Different, and different people see like to the forefront. Those images come out. Usually it's me, right? That's the one that people mostly focus on because they expect to see it. But there's two other images that are equally equally blended into each other. Mm -hmm. And depending on how you look at it, it looks different to you, to Mm -hmm. anybody viewing it. So there's also shapes on there, Mm
2: -hmm. which are
1: optical illusions. If you go look at those again, it depends on how you look at those shapes. They actually change tangibly in your head right? They change direction depending on how you look at them and and that is the like the symbolic representation of what I'm trying to do with all of the songs on the record. So it's the physical art of the musical art that's inside the project. Nobody's ever asked me about that and I'm glad you did.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. So is there like a, is there gonna be a special edition cover where you can like kind of tilt it and you see like little hologram type of
1: things? We talked about doing that with vinyl Mm-hmm. oh uh, yeah okay. but i just hate vinyl so much at some point we'll actually do <laughs> vinyl but i just i hate it in theory right because it literally <laughs> literally is and people just dis- people who are vinyl had agree with this but i 100 believe it to be true it's literally stepping back from something that's better mm-hmm. because it's nostalgic mm.
2: Right?
1: it's the difference between like if you're a sports car fan you go like and a mclaren f1 is a ridiculous really fast and awesome but i have this really cool 280z yeah from, yeah. from the 80s and this is like just as cool so i'm going to sell you the 280z for more money mm-hmm. because i'm gonna that's what was cool back when i can't even think burt reynolds was driving cars or whatever like, that's vinyl records. That's yeah. not. The, you know, that's how I feel about vinyl. It's like people recording an in analog instead of digital. Yeah, get it. It's cool, but it also literally you're making a decision to make it sound worse.
0: I actually thought about that. I um, think we're cleaning out. Oh, that's what it was. I found. You know, like back in the day, you had your CDs and like a CD case, and oh yeah, you carried it around, kept it in your car. Oh yeah. So. I started buying some records just because I like the art. I'm like, oh, it's cool. And then I like scratching on it. But yeah, I was, I was thinking like, man, I got rid of all those CDs because I didn't want to keep hundreds and hundreds. I didn't really have the hundreds. I maybe had like 20. But it was still like a lot of space. And yeah, I mean, I feel like everything, quality has gotten better. And I agree there. there's a debate going on always. Glad to see your point of view. But yeah, if you came out with a little hologram record, that'd be cool. I'd buy it.
1: I have some friends who are like diehard vinyl fans.
0: mm mm-hmm. Fights.
1: And that's oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> at some point, and and some of them are like music snobs, meaning that like they know more about music than I do.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Like, the guy that travels with me, his name is Kip. And mm-hmm. Kip is a much better musician, producer, has a better ear for music than I do, and he likes to listen to vinyls. And when I found that out, I was shocked i was i was so taken aback because i just assumed somebody listens to vinyl doesn't know what they're doing and this is (laughs) and his what he said was it's not about the quality it's about having to experience a record like a movie like we consume music now in bite-sized snack pieces where we mm-hmm. throw a gummy bear in our mouth and that's how we ingest music and mm-hmm. with a vinyl record the point of it is let's put on a vinyl record and then we're going to listen to it from song one to song 15 and we're going to sit there and enjoy the music and when he told me that i went man i, I get that like if that's the reason then maybe i am a vinyl fan if the point of vinyl is to like create a new experience that's an old experience that we don't mm-hmm. do anymore then like i'm all about that so mm-hmm. i may change my viewpoint on vinyl <laughs> at one point that's why i'm talking about maybe putting one out i need to like buy a record player and experience this first to see if i think it's worthwhile but i'd like that point of view i like that perspective if you will
0: that's, yeah i mean that's i mean for me it was i grew up in my grandparents had vinyls and they would play it and i thought they were cool like just to see the grooves and like being able to see i don't know if it was like seeing music live type of thing like how it comes out but yeah with records you just put it on there have been songs that i've discovered quote unquote bands from like the 70s 80s that no one really talks about and i'm like oh okay i'm glad i listened to this but yeah we'll see we'll see if david dunn will put out the next record so i mean okay so trading records it's all good stuff here so what what big goals with um, you mentioned you had your record that just came out what big goals do you have for the next 12 to 24 months amidst the whole thing so you
1: know? so what what my team is pushing for is me to start working on a new record
2: mm-hmm.
1: i'm still a little burnt yeah usually usually there's like a six month dry period after we put out a record because it's so much work to write the songs and then produce them it just takes for and so I usually burn out for like six months before I even touch anything, creating anything new. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that is what everybody wants. The next step to be is mm-hmm. another project. And you mentioned you were you worn out. What is the
0: process of making a record? Because in my head and maybe other people's heads, it's like you're the artist, you record, and then you kind of let the engineer and producer do their
1: thing, and you come in and check. And what is the <laughs> what is the actual process? Like. people do that people mm-hmm. do that but but most of them they're not the artist somebody else is right there are singers and then there are artists mm-hmm. so it's your product or it's somebody else's product and mm-hmm. so for me like a, a producer and a and we never have any engineers but producers producer is like it's somebody else who is lining up with me for my vision for whatever i'm doing on a project and this last record i actually produced i don't even remember anymore a couple of different songs like i think four something like that four songs is, is i was in the midst of like throwing it down and that's a super in- intensive process mm-hmm. so you know, i'll just lay it out for you this way right the first step is to get the songs and so you write. i have no idea how many i wrote for this project let's make up a number 40. 40. let's say i wrote 40 songs i think it was probably more than that but let's say it was 40. i wrote 40 songs over the course of five months or something like that and then you demo them all out so you sort of have like a semi-direction of where it's going to actually be and then the recording process is not like step in a studio and hammer it out in a couple of hours the hard part of being in a studio is you're actually dreaming up the song right you have like the framework you have the skeleton of what it's supposed to be right and and whatever you drape over the skeleton it will be a human at the end if it's you know the bones are there but how beautiful or how good or how likeable or how or how um effective that human is depends on what you drape over the bones and so it's it is more of a slog to to put the the stuff on top of the bones this is a very gruesome analogy <laughs> yeah i've never seen it explained like this I'm making it up on the fly. I've never said this before.
0: I'm trying but to picture it too. I'm like, okay, bones.
1: Yeah, so if you're constructing skin. a human is what I was doing here. <laughs> constructing a human, because every song is very personal. So you're constructing a human, you have to have good bones. And then the production is literally where you where you dream up everything that carries the framework. And if you put on the bones something that isn't a human, right? If you try to put like a like a sheep on top of human bones, mm-hmm. this is the worse
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. so so going back to the songs how do you out of the 40 (laughs) we'll let you we'll give you some rest on the bone thing uh out of the 40 songs that you picked or that you had how'd you pick the best one because I know certain comedians they mentioned um I think Jerry Seinfeld was talking about how he tries out different jokes in smaller clubs and then sees which ones work which ones don't then he takes them out and then he does like an actual tour. Is that
1: similar? No, are, no I don't do that. No. I, never, I never play songs live before they're getting recorded. Why not? Um, yeah, why not? For the same reason that I don't like doing the Instagram posts. Is I'll be like chugging along and making it up on the fly. I'm too much of a perfectionist when it comes to music to try and wing a new song in there when, I, when it, there's no framework. I haven't created the structure yet where mm-hmm. the song is supposed to be. Instead, to play it live, I'm going to have to wing it to create the structure. And that always ends up being very poor,
2: mm-hmm. my
1: opinion. Other people do it, and, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do when I'm picking songs is I have a giant group of people. It's not giant. It's probably eight, eight or ten. It's eight or ten people um, that I bounce all of these songs off. And in general, they hold like a 60% majority about which one should go on the record. Because to be honest with you, if I wrote it, I think it's incredible. <laughs> I, I think everything that I do is so yeah, good. you but, touch um, it you're like, man. This is so good. Oh yeah. my gosh. And the truth <laughs> of the matter is, is that most of the songs I write stink. I just don't have a good perspective about whether or not they're good or not. Um, I'm usually blinded by whatever. Mm-hmm. This one little cool vocal part that like makes the song or you know, whatever it is. So mm-hmm. it's almost like, a. there's a book called Creativity Inc. Which yep, that's
0: a good book. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so th- this strategy came from that book is to create like a a sounding board of people who will dissent mm-hmm. and tell me why something stinks so mm-hmm. that I don't record something that stinks. Got
0: it, no one can smell it. Yeah. When you write songs, do you think of, I guess, I'm more of, Not big a songwriter, more of the melody, beat, you know, drum kind of part. When you write your songs, do you think of, hey, this would be a nice beat to go with it, and or do you just write it as a poem type of thing? Uh,
1: Most of the way that I write now is called track writing. Okay, and so myself or somebody else will create like a music bed.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It'll be like it'll be like a you know verse chorus and and it's been laid out in whatever fashion, and then we'll write the song over the top of that. So I rarely ever pick up a guitar or play a piano when I'm writing songs. I'll like run over to one every once in a while and we're doing stuff. Mostly what I do is sit there with my iPhone or my computer while a track is playing over and over again. And I'm imagining and singing over the top to figure out where things are going to sit. Mm. So yeah. I, I, it's a switch. I used to sit there with an the acoustic guitar and hammer something out. Um, when I stopped being an acoustic artist, which was a very long time ago, that wasn't effective because I was, I was. uh, keep wanting to use the bones analogy, <laughs> <laughs> and we're back to the bones. <laughs> back to bones. Everything that I was making was really good, as like a folk song. And I'm, I'm not a folk artist, so I get in and try to make it a pop song, and it's not. It's a folk song because mm-hmm. I wrote it on acoustic guitar, and I'm naturally going to make a folk song or a country song when I'm on an acoustic guitar because. That's like the main thing in folk Americana and, and mm-hmm. is acoustic guitar. So um, I actually started playing piano for that exact reason is I was recording pop songs, but I was writing folk songs and to be able to uh, kind of transition into pop, I needed to play the piano. And so a lot of people don't know this because all I ever play is the piano anymore. But when we, you and I went to Texas Tech together, I had no, I like, I didn't start playing the piano until like three years after I left Tech. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I just saw you with a guitar. So I just, yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. think that country, folky type of music came because of your roots in the West? Because I've seen your dad, doesn't he play banjo or something? I've seen
1: the mandolin guitar. Mid- okay. And they play like, it's like bluegrass. They call it cowboy swing music. Mm. Is official genre. And I, that is what I grew up with and country music I grew up in Texas and now I live in Nashville so I'm sure that's in there somewhere mm-hmm it just keeps I, not, pulling you back it's not super apparent to me anymore <laughs> I'm sure it's it's probably deep in there somewhere yeah so
0: how would you describe your music sonically you mean yeah or just any way you want me to just describe it anyway <laughs> yeah so let's say if someone you know was to say hey David Dunn oh what kind of music does he play Boom. Blank. I play pop music. Pop music. Okay. Yeah.
1: If somebody's asking what genre I'm in. I say I play mm-hmm. pop. Got it. What, what
0: drew you towards that, you know, away from country folky? Like why did you pick pop over other genres?
1: Cause what I like. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say I don't like folk and country. I do like folk and country. Mm-hmm. Um, if I actually, if I had a good enough country voice, right. If mm-hmm. I, I can pull it off. I would love to have done coaching music. I just never even really thought about it. When I created music, every time I got in the studio, what I wanted to make was... was Like a Britney Spears hit. Yeah, I wanted to do it. So what drew me there was like the majority of what I like is pop stuff. So it's it's stuff that's like cutting edge and creative. I think that's a big part of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Country music is really great because people are incredible storytellers, and folk music is really great because it's incredibly emotional. Pop mm-hmm. music is really great because it's where most of the musical creativity goes. Mm-hmm. So, and the thing that I love is is musical creativity, and I love the other aspects of what's great about folk and country music. But what I really like, what I'm passionate about, is is telling the truth and doing it in a beautiful way. So I'm I'm interested in art form, and, and that to me is that's what pop music is.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good. So we're gonna ask you a few quick questions. We're calling it the Mixer Lightning Round. Okay, Mixer Lightning Round. All right, so we're just gonna give you a question, you pop it right back with an answer. So what was your first car?
1: Um, a 19 a 1978 baby blue Volvo, no power steering. <laughs> Four on the floor no power windows it was really great wow yeah
0: Do you have a name for it or was it just all Val- <laughs> i was about to say valvito elvita <laughs> nice um, an instrument you wish you could play the summer wait what was that the dulcimer the dulcimer okay uh and for uh the listeners who don't know what that is because I definitely know what it is. You don't know what it is, Betty.
1: <laughs> the Hammer Dulcimer. It's like this big harp-looking thing, and you beat on it with two little hammers. It's like an open-faced piano that you play. Oh, I've seen That's big in country, right?
0: No, not really. No, I'm just kidding. Then.
1: Yeah, there are some, there are some people who play in country. But okay. This Is For You, my song This Is For You. We talked about this earlier. You like that song? Yeah. That was with- that's Hammer Dulcimer, the lead in that song.
0: Nice. Cool. Okay, I'll have to check it out. Uh, what superpower do you wish you had? Uh,
1: flying. Flying? I wish I could fly.
0: What? Why? Just for for your hair to flow?
1: Really make my dreads look cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of dreads, random question. When did... Uh, when did that come out cuz I think cuz in college you had short hair.
1: Ah uh, bro I like I've gone back and forth like every, every like 4 or 5 years. I go from mm-hmm. a shaved head to really long hair. So I had mm-hmm. really long hair in college and then I cut it all off. I bleached it blonde and it was bad so I cut it all off.
0: <laughs> I don't think I saw pictures of that.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I, my entire life I've gone back and forth between really short hair and long hair. Um dreads happened because my wife, right after we got married, I was tired of my long hair. It was, like, down below my shoulders, really long. And uh-huh. I was like, I'm going to shave it off. She's like, don't do that. And I was like, I need it. <laughs> I, like, need a change. And she goes, you should get dreads. And I went, okay.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, ma'am.
1: All right. And I'm very tired of them at the very at this moment. So I don't think they're going to last much longer.
0: Do you use, like, um, shampoo, like, powder shampoo or something? Or...
1: Oh, regular shampoo, man.
0: Regular shampoo?
1: Regular oh, shampoo. Nice, okay. Regular poo. Regular poo.
0: <laughs> if you could play a song, oh, okay, there we go, letting it down. If you could play a song or have a song play every time you enter a room, what would it be like your theme song?
1: Um, probably Apple Bottom Jeans.
0: Nice, okay.
1: I got them. Because <laughs> you, you got low. And the <laughs> Literally the first thing that popped into my head. So you welcome.
0: Well, now it's going to be the first thing I think of you now. Perfect. Um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: I thought you said this is a lightning round.
0: These are like- <laughs> no, the lightning round is me asking the questions quickly.
1: Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the best piece of advice I've ever been given, I actually know the answer right away. Um, He's building re- suspense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason that you shouldn't care about what people think about you is because they aren't. Mm. You walk into a room and you're worried about what everybody else thinks about you. They aren't thinking about you. They're worried about what you think about them. Mm. So why worry about what other people think about you when they're not even worried about what they think about you?
2: Mm.
0: It's not only a tongue twister, but it's also some good advice. Yeah, I remember, I think I took speech in ninth grade and our teacher super great miss Holloway she put a camera like a video camera and she would record all of us during our speech and then she would give us the tape and I remember thinking I was like oh man like everyone's gonna look at me I didn't want to look at the tape and then for some reason I just stopped I was like how do I see other people like I usually feel supportive of them I know what they're going through it's not like I'm thinking about them and. So, yeah, I mean, I totally see that. And so what is the worst piece of advice you've ever received?
1: I have no idea. The worst piece of advice I've ever received is probably something having to do with bell peppers. Just eat it. <laughs> They're good for you. Yeah, that's it. Bell yeah. peppers. Just okay. eat it. Good for you.
0: Yeah, we'll go with those. All right. Yeah. And then ketchup or catsup? Ketchup. Nice. That's what I'm talking about. So one of the things I want to ask is also another thing, like the one of the, Last things. Who are a couple of people that you look up to that would be great guests to have on the show to share the story?
1: Great guests to be on a music show. Uh Matt Smallbone.
0: Matt Smallbone.
1: Matt Smallbone. Who is my he's my pastor here in town. He's a super good dude. He's from Australia and he spent years in bands before he quit and started doing full time pastoring. Mm-hmm. He'd be a goodie. All right,
0: Matt. We'll do him. We'll do him. Cool. And then how can I be praying for you?
1: This is, this is turbulence here. So we've got um, the COVID things wrecking my music career. Mm. And, uh, we got hit by the tornado pretty hard. We've got, we had an Airbnb property downtown. They got smoked by it. Um, my father-in-law died about a month before COVID hit. They just moved to town. He was completely healthy. We still don't really know what happened. We've got a two-month-old baby, so we're exhausted. Yeah. So take, take your pick.
0: Um, wow. Well, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, pretty wild.
0: But yeah, um, I'll be praying for that. I'm going to pray for you real quick, and then I'll let you go. And all right. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for David and his friendship and just all the things you've done through him. I pray that you continue to move in his life. I pray that you comfort his family with the laws of his father-in-law and um, just... All the other things that are going on, I pray that you give them patience and kindness to deal with the two-month-old baby that they have. And um, I pray that you just comfort them during the tough times and um, you encourage them daily. And thank you just, again, that we get to talk real quick. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: All
0: right, sir. Well, if someone wanted to reach out to you, how could they do that?
1: Oh, um, I mean, social media. Social media yeah if you if you want to reach out to me on social media i'll definitely get it email david dunn just type in david dunn music on google and it'll pop up with like 15 different ways and all of them will <laughs> lead to me
0: all of them lead to you all right sir well it was great talking to you and hopefully we'll have you back later on to catch up on your new album love it thanks Bye. eddie hold up you gained some great value make sure to rate review and share with someone you care about as a thank you i'll be doing a giveaway for a hundred dollars and or a free 45 minute music career coaching call with me so if that sounds like something you like take a screenshot of your review and tag us on your social media post to be entered into the drawing we'll be doing this every month so see you soon now back to the jam